we're going to talk about nine music theory concepts every guitar player should know. <laughs> this is the guitar player episode. I'm sure everybody out there is just thrilled. Um, but really, a lot in that story was talking about exactly this. You, you hit that plateau, you get stuck, you're not sure where to turn. Well, this would be my advice to you as a guitar player. One G-man to another. For all the Half-Life fans out there. Um, so, in no real particular order. But all these things are very important that you should figure out on the guitar. So, if you are a guitar player and you feel like you are stuck, you've hit that plateau, you can't quite progress and you're not even sure where to turn. You gotta beef up that music theory skill, son. And these are the ways that you should go about it. Nine music theory concepts every guitar player should know. So number one, the chromatic scale. Now, this is like the absolute basic foundation of all of our Western music theory. Uh, with a major scale, which, you know, you might know if you've been kind of beginning to get into a bit of music theory, uh, that's got the eight notes. Chromatic scale has 12. If you go from like a low E string, open, hit it, boom, and then you go all the way up to the 12th fret and play that E, that's like the entire chromatic scale. So the space of one semitone is one fret. So get really familiar with the chromatic scale. That's the musical alphabet. It's got every single note can come contained within it. And when you start to learn it, you know, every string start to move them around a little bit on strings. Uh, a really good exercise as part of your warm up is to do chromatic scale exercises. Uh, they're not just good for warming up your fingers because you're playing every single fret and you're moving around and shifting a little bit. And, and so it's warming up your, your tootsies here. Uh, but really, it's also very good for awareness of the fretboard. A really good exercise is you start on a low note, maybe the open E or maybe an F or an F sharp or a G, and then you try and play the chromatic scale however, whichever way, it doesn't have to be all the way across, but you want to try and get all the way up to the high, high note on the high E string. So if you start on low E, you try and get all the way up so that your pinky finger hits that high E or some finger <laughs> hits that high E on the high E string on 12th fret. You get what I'm talking about? So you're just freewheeling, playing however you want to try and get there, but you play to a metronome you try and stay in that pattern. If you're doing eighth notes, do 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 and you make the call when you want to shift, when you want to cross strings, but you got to try and get all the way to the 
you know, the high, high note. So you're going up like two or three octaves and then you play it however you want back down. It gives you a bit more awareness about moving around on the fretboard, but it also kind of, you know, you are consistently painting yourself into a corner and you have to instantly problem solve on the fly. So you gain a really good visualization of the fretboard and it also helps to kind of like, whoop, okay, you're, you're under the gun. Like you gotta figure it out and make that jump and figure out where to go next. Uh, it's a really good exercise. It's a really good brain warm up, finger warm up, and it really helps uh, solidify the idea of the chromatic scale for the guitar. So number two, uh, learning intervals and specifically what those intervals look like on the frets. Uh, so an interval obviously is a distance between two notes. So we've talked a bit about, you know, like thirds, major thirds, a perfect fifth, stuff like that. You really need to start to visualize what those intervals look like on the guitar and they can look a few different ways. I mean, you could go up a major third on one string. What does that look like? If you were to play a major third across two strings, what would that look like? And then, of course, the th bane of all guitar players, the B string is tuned slightly differently than all the rest. Every string on the guitar is tuned in fourths. That B string is tuned in a third. So you start to visualize how patterns work everywhere and then you get to those two strings and it throws you off your game. <laughs> so you learn what a major third, a minor third, a perfect fifth looks like on all these other string sets and then you got to be aware of what it looks like on those two strings because it's different. So even like skipping strings, what does a perfect fifth look like you know, between an E and an A string and an E and a D string. This really helps clarify, again, the visualization of the fretboard and having an idea of where your note choices are. If you're going to make these types of leaps around, you want to know where you're going to go and have a good idea of whether it's going to be a good choice for the situation or not. So intervals around the guitar neck very important number three the major scale i mean if you're not learning about the major scale already you really should be uh getting the idea of that that like whole step half step you know a, a half step or a semitone is just one fret on the guitar a whole step or a whole tone is a leap uh you know two frets so you start getting that pattern of the major major scale where it's like tone, tone, semitone, tone, 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 semitone, and moving that around, learning it on one string, learning it on three strings, learning it playing just one note per string, like trying to figure out all the different ways that you can get that pattern across of the major scale on the fretboard because uh, you don't want to get stuck in patterns again it's very easy 
to just look and say, oh yeah, it's the patterns. You want to know the notes that you're playing. You want to be able to identify where you can go. As soon as you put one note down, one finger down on the fretboard, you have to have like that Terminator vision turn on where it's like, and you can see all of your best choices and be able to make that best choice from all of the different choices that you have. So learning the major scale and more importantly, learning the, the formula of the major scale, that tone, tone, ha- semitone, tone, 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 semitone. Uh, so number four, learning your major and minor chords. Uh, you can start with just the triads. It's uh, the idea of learning that visual pattern of intervals this is now stacking intervals together to make a chord uh you gotta be able to kind of throw that down and and again learn them on different sets of strings see what that shape looks like get those sounds under your ear um and it's a big thing for the ear really uh just starting with a major and minor triad which is, you know, three notes. It's one note different. And it's like slightly different. You're moving that middle note, the third, down by one fret. And it becomes a minor chord. So cycling through these different chords and starting to hear the difference between what is a major sound and what is a minor sound. What's a major third? What's a minor third? And beyond those intervals, like, what does it sound like when the fifth, the root and the fifth stay the same, and then the note in the middle is the one that's changing? Like, you'll probably be able to hear that it's different, but recognize what these things sound like when you throw another note into the mix. Sometimes your ear gets a little jumbled up. So taking the time to really learn the distinction, not just with your hand, but with the ear. Number five, uh, learning chord formulas. Chord formulas, you say? Yes, chord progression formulas. But this is for a major key. So when you have a major scale, you line your notes up. Like C in the key of C major, we've got C, D, E, F, G, A, B. And we were just talking about building triads. Well, chords are built from every other note. So we'll have a C major, we'll have a D minor, we'll have a E minor, and so on and so forth. So the idea that every major scale will have these notes in a certain pattern, you can learn a formula for how, what notes will have what type of chord, major, minor, dominant seven, or diminished. So the major key chord formula will be one major or one major seven, two minor seven, three minor seven, four major seven, five dominant seven, six minor seven, 
and seven minor seven flat five. When you get that, you can take any chord progression into any key and you can transpose it like that because it doesn't matter what the note names are. If you have a progression that's, you know, three, six, two, five, one, and it's, you know, you can put it in the key of C, you can put it in the key of G, what chords are going to be major or minor are going to be determined by those numbers where they are relative to the tonic, the, the note that is the key center. So if you're trying to figure out and juggle like, oh, you know, you don't want to be me in that guitar test scuffling because I didn't understand how this truly worked, right? Like you can grab that stuff right out of the air and do it so effortless, effortlessly. And it will only help you to be more authoritative on your instrument. But beyond that, it's really, really helpful for memorizing songs. Uh, so number six, now we've got the minor key chord formula. So this one, I'm actually going to pull this book out again. So we've got, I'll pull a picture up but the white balance will be off, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, in the book, we've got it separated between major keys and minor keys for chord progressions. Now, why is that? Well, minor keys come in a couple different varieties. You can use the natural minor scale, natural minor being, you know, made of the major scale, just starting on the sixth scale degree. Or there's other minor scales that you can build chords from just like you did in the major scale. Now, the fact that these are different scales with different scale patterns to the major scale, then that means when you start stacking thirds to build chords from them, then you get completely different wacky chords on different degrees of the scale. So for natural minor, you get one minor, two diminished, uh, flat three, obviously, because it's not, it's, that's the minor note, uh, four minor, five minor, flat seven uh, major, and, or flat six major, sorry and flat seven dominant seven so you know the notes are kind of shifted and it gives you a different approach to the chords so all uh this is going to be one of the next theory videos we're going to do so we can talk a bit more about the wonders of scale degrees in minor keys but it's something that you know maybe you're just starting out the idea of these chord formulas and you're like, oh, OK. You wouldn't have known that there's a separate one for minor keys and there's a couple different ones because there's a couple different minor scales. So, again, helps you for memorizing songs. You know, if you know that it's in a minor key, you're going to switch gears and think about a different 
chord formula and you know the different types of chords that you could be using in certain situations. Just helps clean things up a bit. So number seven, we've already mentioned this in a couple of the explanations, but scale degrees. Super, 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 super important scale degrees. Uh, for some of the reasons that I've already said, where if you're learning something, if you have those numbers, instead of all these different possibilities of letter names for the notes that it could be, it's so much easier. You can memorize it, you can see patterns a bit more clearly. Uh, so scale degrees are very simply just what degree of the scale that a note is on. What interval away from the root note or the tonic note is it? Is it a fifth? Is it an, uh, a third? You know, having that number tells you a lot about how that note is going to behave. And it's also going to tell you quite a bit about how a chord based on that note is going to behave based on, you know, the chord formula things we were just talking about. Number eight, we had a video all about this a couple weeks ago the cycle of fourths and the cycle of fifths. This is a really huge thing that helps you to kind of navigate around the guitar. Um, and one big reason why it's a huge help for guitar players is because when you can think in fourths and fifths, then you can really quickly pick out what notes are going across the fretboard. Because like I, ju I just said, the guitar is tuned in fourths. So you know how fourths move. You get an idea of that interval. Then you can pick any fret. And then you know, okay, uh, a D on the low E string, on 10th fret. Then it's just like boop, 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 boop and all those notes fill in because you know exactly what's across. So that's, I mean, that's a guitar specific thing. Beyond that, the cycle of fourths and cycle of fifths is just a really important way to move around in music. It helps, gives you the, um, the key centers. I mean, we talked about all this in the video, but the cycle of fourths and cycle of fifths is a very important musical concept that will really really save your butt in a lot of different situations and rounding out the list at number nine inversions it is too tragic when a guitar player will learn a chord they'll get it from some guitar tabs and then they're just stuck with it anytime there's a c they play that same c chord anytime there's an e they play that same E. The thing is, it's not always appropriate. Just because it says E doesn't mean that, you know, if you were using three note chords, triads up to a certain point, and then you get an E minor and you just go and wail an open E minor chord because that's the only one you know, that's going to be really different. You know, and it's it's noticeably different. You're throwing more notes into your your arrangement of your playing. 
So now you're out of your lane. Like if you're playing in a band and you're kind of keeping it to a little bit of this rhythm and then you give like a huge open chord, maybe the keyboard player was playing in that range of notes and they're kind of like giving you a look like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like you didn't need to play all that notes. You're taking up some of my sonic sound. It muddies up the sound of the band when you can't really be sure about what notes you're just throwing randomly into your chords adding and taking them away at will without really thinking about uh, the overall like arrangement of what you're playing. So in comes inversions, which we have also talked about pretty recently. Um, the idea that if you have a, a note, let's say a C major triad, C, E, G, all you really do is you just move the bottom note, C, all the way up to the top. And then you get E, G, C. And then you can take that E and move it all the way up to the top and you get G, C, E. The idea is that you keep stacking the notes, almost like building like a, a, a Jenga tower or something, you know, taking from the bottom, move it to the top. You get a different formula of intervals within the chord. So they interact slightly differently. So it's almost like almost like you're playing a different chord even though it's the same notes. So you can get a lot more mileage out of one chord by being able to cycle through inversions while that is the chord that's in play. And on top of that, if you find yourself in a situation where maybe you're running out of a bit of room, you don't have to just, you know, oh man, I don't have enough space to like fit that note in there. Well, you play an inversion. There's different ways that you can fit. It's like figuring out uh, the best way to put your Tetris pieces down. You're just switching your block around. That's the same as a chord inversion, really. So getting familiar with the notes in your chords and how you can stack them and being familiar with those different inversion shapes for your major, minor, whatever chords and everything like that. That. Super, super, super important. So that was nine music theory concepts every guitar player should know. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on today's episode, or if you'd like to expand your horizons so you can make the most amount of impact with your music, please be sure to check us out at mfile.ca.